Welcome to this week's message from Mountain Park Church. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we hope that as you listen to today's message, you feel challenged and inspired to give God more room to work in your life this week. So I'm going to be here with you today and next week, and we are kicking off a brand new series. Now, I, when I texted this to Andrew and I was talking with him about what I want to talk about, I'm like, how about, you know, how to have the life you love? Or how, and he was like, let's call it get a life. I was like, well, I guess that's kind of funny. <laughs> get a life. So we are going to be talking about the life that Jesus has provided for us. Now, we have just come out of a series where we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And we talked for a few weeks about heaven and what heaven might look like when we get there. But then we kind of transitioned last week. Pastor Alex brought us a message about the kingdom of God coming to earth through the person of Jesus. And that that kingdom is not something that we have to wait for until after we die and we're in heaven literally with Jesus. But that heaven is sort of a, a state that we can participate in now, here on earth. When Jesus came to earth, he came to do a job. He came for a purpose. And that purpose was to restore mankind back into relationship with God in such a way that we were again part of his kingdom and part of establishing and putting in order the things that he wanted to do, the rule and reign of the kingdom of God here on earth. And when he went to the cross, he sealed it in his blood. And the last words he said were, it is finished. What was finished? The work that Jesus came to do, establishing the kingdom of God in the hearts of man, it was finished. It was finished for what he was going to do here on earth. But then he did something really, really incredible. He gave the keys to the kingdom to his 12 disciples. Now, if you've read the Gospels at all, and if you know anything about the disciples, you know that it took a lot of faith for Jesus to hand over those keys to that 12. One, completely doubted everything he said. One wasn't even really part of his troop from the very beginning. He was a thief and he sold him out in the end. But he said, that's okay. It doesn't matter. I'm giving you the keys to my kingdom. Now, what does that mean? That's what I want to talk about today. The keys of the kingdom were given to the disciples. He talked to the disciples throughout his ministry about what the kingdom of God was supposed to look like. He was trying to get them to understand that it was not going to be a physical kingdom, which they wrestled with right up until the end. At the Last Supper, they were even jostling for position, like who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to get to sit next to Jesus on his throne? They thought that he was establishing a physical kingdom, but that's not the kind of kingdom it was at all. It was a kingdom that resides within the heart of man. And so uh, he, he hands the keys to the disciples, but in essence, he also handed those keys to us. 
to every follower of Christ who would ever walk the face of the earth. He gave us the keys to the kingdom. Do you know how much faith Jesus has in you? He believes in you. He came to establish a kingdom, but then he, he gave you all of the access and authority to run it while he's gone. He has great faith in you. I love that. I think that is so incredible. God believes in us. And he believes that you have what it takes to run his kingdom. He believes that you have what it takes to take his message, to take it further into the reaches of the world, to do more with it than he actually did. He said that. He said, greater works than these will you do. And he sent us the Holy Spirit to empower us from within. The old law didn't work the same way the new one does. The old law was written on tablets, but he says in the new covenant, I'm going to write my law on your heart. It's, it's not an external force of rules and regulations that's pushing down on us from the outside, but rather an internal force that rises up from within and empowers us to do everything that Jesus calls us and asks us to do. We never have to wonder if we're capable enough or qualified enough to do what God calls us to do. We question that all the time, but we don't have to. Because it's really not about us and our power and our ability and what we can do. It's all about being connected to him and walking hand in hand with him and experiencing the kingdom life with him. But I want to talk for a moment today about these keys. You see, keys give us access and authority. When I go away on vacation, I give the keys to my house to someone else, right? I hand over my keys. Now, not all of us carry keys like this. I had to search to find a set like this this morning. Um, we have fobs. We have codes to our doors, right? We don't all carry a big hunk of keys like this anymore. Um, someone does, because I found these this morning. Um, but he gave us these keys. And he said, now, you take care of it. Now, when I go away on vacation and I give someone the keys to my house, I fill the, the, the fridge up with food. There's, you know, internet. It's not great, but it's there. There's TV. There's beds. There's, there's everything that you need. We have a pool in the backyard. You could really enjoy life in our house. And we usually have teenagers. The last time we went away, we had two of my nieces came and lived in our house. But... When you're staying there, you get to enjoy everything that's in our house, but you also have some responsibilities. If you don't take care of the pool, you won't be able to swim in it. If you don't take care of my dog, I'll be really upset when I come home. <laughs> Even though you have access and rights and privileges, you're also going to have responsibilities. Does that make sense? Yeah. So... We give, we have access to the kingdom of God through the keys. What are the keys? The keys are the kingdom principles that we apply to our life in order to unlock the doors to everything that God has for us. 
It's like we come into the house and, and we know we're talking now about the keys of the kingdom, not the keys to the kingdom. And I want to be really clear about that because there's only one key to the kingdom, and that is Jesus Christ himself and a personal relationship with him. When we make him Lord of our life, that is what Lord means. It means he rules and reigns in our life. So when we make him Lord of our life, that is what he said in his own words, just like opening the gate or opening the door, and we step into the kingdom of God. And he gives us the keys. We could say he gives us the keys, but we could also say he gives us the keys. And within this book are all of the keys that we need to unlock everything that God has for us. And in his kingdom, he intended that we would live an amazing life, a life of abundance, a life that literally, when, we, when you look at the word in John 10.10, 10, he said, I came that they would have life and have it to the full or more abundantly. Some trans translations say it literally means a life that is overflowing with abundance in every area. In every area. But if we're real, if we're honest, a lot of times we know this life is available to us. We've heard it preached We've, we've heard people talk about this life of, that's full of health and wellness and prosperity and all of these things from the word of God. A life that has everything we need to flourish and to thrive. And yet, a lot of times, if we're honest, that's not our reality. The reality is we live a lot of times in lack, in confusion, in doubt, and in fear. We wander around, and, and sometimes we'll say it like this. We'll say, I feel stuck. I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like life is mundane. I feel like I'm just going through the motions. I feel stuck. And I know there's so much more for me, but this is kind of how I picture it. I've walked in the door of the kingdom, and it's like a huge castle, like a big, big, big house, and, and there's all kinds of doors and I have the keys in my hand, but I don't know which key goes in which door. I don't know how to unlock it, and a key is useless unless it unlocks something, right? So I feel like this is where so many of us get stuck. Standing in the lobby, standing in the foyer, in the entranceway to the kingdom of God. Looking at all of these doors going, I know there's more for me but I'm stuck here in the lobby and I don't know how to unlock it. Has anybody ever felt that way? Is it just me? Anyone? Nod, not something, no. <laughs> yes. We feel this way a lot, don't we? And, and we tend to get really frustrated. And it deters us sometimes from even pressing on and trying to figure out how to open those doors because we just get tired and frustrated and we have so much else going on in our life. They were like, if it's that much effort, I just give up. We're not the only generation of people who felt that way. Back at the beginning of the Bible, there is an entire generation of people, God's people, the Israelites, who were stuck. They were stuck for 40 years wandering in the desert. 
because they didn't know how to unlock the door to the promised land. There was a land that God had promised to his people. He said it's a land that is flowing with milk and honey. That means nothing to us. We have no clue what that means. But in the Bible times, in this time, it would have meant to them that this land has everything you need for health and prosperity. It has everything you need. When the spies went into the land, they came out carrying grapes that were so big, they had them on a pole between two people, and they were carrying them out of the land. That's huge. That's abundance. That's overflowing in the area of grapes. Right? Am I saying, like, you get what I'm saying? No wonder when they went into the land, they said the people are huge and they're strong. We've been wandering around in the desert for so long. We're weak. We can't possibly take them, right? It shouldn't have been a surprise to them that the people were strong and their cities were fortified. If you had all that abundance in your life, you'd probably build a pretty big wall too, right? It shouldn't have been a surprise at all. And the thing was that that was a land God had promised to his people. He said, you can go in and you can take it and I'll be with you. I'll be with you. But they were afraid. And they didn't think they could do it. So they ended up wandering around in the lobby. Wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And because they were unable or they felt they were unable to do it. They didn't get to go in. And God waited an entire generation. And he let their kids go in. And what did their kids do? They plundered that land. They took it all. The generation before could have done that if they weren't stuck in their fear. If they weren't stuck in a place where they didn't believe that God was able So as we stand in the lobby and we're stuck and we're looking at all of these doors, what I want to do over the next couple of weeks is give you some really practical keys. I'm going to give you four keys. I'm going to give you one today, one that I think is the most important one. And then next week, we're going to look at a portion of scripture and I'm going to give you three more keys. Now, I feel like sometimes we think it's overwhelming, right? And I get that. I bet the children of Israel felt the same way. Because the law that God had given them was like, you know, have you ever read like, you know, Exodus? And it's a lot of stuff in there, right? There's a lot of rules and regulations. And they're like, we have to obey all of this stuff. And it seems daunting and overwhelming a little bit. But how many of you think you can do four things? I'm going to give you four things, four building blocks that you can build your life on that are keys to unlocking the kingdom in your life. Are you ready to go? I think you should be excited about this. I'm excited about this. And next week, we're actually going to look at a little piece of scripture that I'd never seen before this week. Now, I'm pretty sure I've read it, but sometimes we just read through scripture and we see one thing, but then when we go back and read it again, God goes, just a sec, did you see that? Right? And I go, no, I've never seen that before. So I saw something in scripture this week that I've never seen before. Did you know that God promises you, you can have a life that you will love? It actually says that right in the Bible. You can have a life 
that you will love if you follow the kingdom principles. Most of us don't love our life, do we? We tolerate our life, we're getting through our life, but we don't love our life. Next week, we're gonna look at three principles how to love your life. But today, we are gonna look at this one key, and we're gonna go back and look at where the children of Israel were when they were stuck. So we're gonna look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're gonna start reading in verse 19. And it says this. Today, I have given you the choice. Okay, hold up a sec. I need to set a little bit of context. So this is, this is written right at the end of Moses' life. And the Israelites had wandered in the wilderness and now they've come back and Joshua is going to take over and he's going to take them into the land. And so Moses is giving sort of his, his final words, the final things God has spoken to them about going into this land. He says, today I've given you the choice, the choice between life and death, blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, Oh, he says, oh, that you would choose life. Choose life so that your descendants might live. You can make this choice. It is no clearer in scripture, people, than this right here. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. It's written right there. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land and the Lord swore to you and your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you love the Lord and obey him. If you love the Lord and obey him. That's key number one. If you love the Lord and obey him. The choice is yours. We all have a choice to make. God has laid it out pretty clearly. You can choose blessing or you can choose curse. You can choose life or you can choose death. What are you going to choose today? He says, oh, oh, that you would choose life. You know, when you choose life, you choose life for your family. You choose life for all of the people who live in your house, for all of the people who work in your business, for all of the people who are affected in your life. You're choosing life for them as well because when you choose life, it affects your family and it affects your business and it affects the people around you. Oh, that we would choose life. But we get frustrated and confused because, because this obeying thing is kind of hard for us, right? I remember once my dad was doing a wedding for a girlfriend of mine from high school, and she, she didn't really go to church regularly, but she, she knew my dad. And so she asked him to marry her, and they didn't get a chance to do the rehearsal because my dad was flying in, and his plane was late. And he comes to the wedding, and he does his traditional vows, which were honor and obey. And, and she's, she just stopped, and her eyes went like this, and she was like, I can't say that. She couldn't even say it. It was hilarious, okay? So everybody in the place cracks up in the wedding, and she's like, just, just move on. She couldn't even say it. Because we're so used 
to only obeying number one. We don't want to obey anybody else, do we? We like to live life by our own rules. We like to do it our way. We don't want to obey anybody, and we really don't want to rely on anybody else, do we? That's the world's way of doing things. That we would obey only ourselves. That we would live the life we want to live. That we would create our own path. That we would create our own destiny. That we would live the life we want to live. I'm not going to obey anybody. I'm not going to rely on anybody. That's the way the world thinks. And that's, you know, maybe the way you were raised. And then we come into the kingdom of God and God says, wait, it's all different rules here. It's a whole different way of life here. Here, everything is literally flip-flopped from how you knew it. And if you want to have your life, if you really want to live your life, you're going to have to lay it down. You're going to have to crucify that old man in order that you could live in the things that I'm calling you to live in. You're going to have to make some hard choices along the way. You're going to have to make some hard choices to hear the voice of God and listen to him. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. That's the old way. Nope. Because it's the same way Jesus did it too. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. And we love to quote that scripture. But that one verse is right in the middle of an entire chapter, um, John chapter 10, that talks about what? It talks about the good shepherd and how the sheep hear his voice and they will not follow anyone else. They will obey everything he says. They follow him without question. Jesus said the same thing that Moses said in the Old Testament to the Israelites. It's like we just can't get it through our head. All we have to do is trust and obey. We sang that song when I was a kid, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And the two go hand in hand because if we trust God, we're going to act on it and we're going to do something about it if we really trust him. And we're only going to act if we really trust him. So the two go hand in hand, right? You can't have one without the other. This is the first key to the kingdom of God is to trust and obey. We need to do what God asks us to do. You know, throughout the entire Old Testament, the Israelites were sort of in God's favor and out of God's favor. And he was calling them back and they were wishy-washy. And Moses went up the mountain and they built a calf in a month. Like literally, they were so all over the place. And all God kept saying is, turn from your ways. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. If you would just walk with me. Don't trust anyone else. Don't have any other gods. Don't, don't look at any of that other stuff. Just follow me. And, you know, in our modern world, I feel like, like this is, this is the flip-flop here. This is the flip-flop. I feel like we're so busy taking care of our needs that we leave God to the last minute. We are busy, right? We've got kids. We've got to take care of them. We have to provide for them. We need to go to work. You know, we have, we have all of these things in our life to take care of our needs. And then at the end of the day, at, you know, bedtime's 11 o'clock-ish, used to be anyway, 
before I hit 40. But um, <laughs> 10 minutes before we go to bed, we're like, oh, okay, I'm going to pray. And we lay our head on the pillow and we start to pray and then we fall asleep and that's all we give God out of our day. But he said that's not going to work because you're pursuing yourself. You're relying on you. You're obeying your system, your rules, and I need you to follow mine. And my system and my rule says you put me first and I'll take care of all the rest. Let's read this in, in uh, Luke 12. It says it this way. Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things are what dominate the thoughts of unbelievers in all of the world. But your father already knows what you need. You don't have to worry about that. But if you seek first the kingdom of God above all else, he'll give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. It gives him great happiness to open those doors and allow you into everything that he has for you. It gives him great happiness. Great happiness. And all he wants you to do is have a personal relationship with him so he can lead you and guide you as Lord of your life. It gives him great pleasure to give us the kingdom. That word seek, seek first, means to investigate, to get to the bottom of the matter and to keep searching until it's found. Do you have a door that you feel is closed to you? Keep searching. Keep seeking until you get the right key in the lock and you unlock it. And you know what? We feel like this is hard. But in uh, Deuteronomy 30, back where we were reading before, he said, this command I am giving you is not too difficult for you and it is not beyond your reach. It's not too difficult for you and it is not beyond your reach. You know, I feel like today we need to take responsibility for our lives. We're really good at blaming everyone else, aren't we? When we get stuck, when we're not able to move forward, we're really good at blaming everyone else. We blame God. The Israelites did that too. Why did you take us out of Egypt? It was better back there. You're not taking care. He provided everything they needed. But they were so easily grumbling and complaining. Not enough manna, right? We want to go back. We blame God. It was their own fault they didn't go into the promised land. We blame other people. Well, you know, if she hadn't done that to me, or if he hadn't said those things to me, or we want to blame everybody else. We're never the problem. I'm, I'm never the problem, right? And this is my personal favorite because we love to blame the devil. We love to say that the devil got in there and he did something. And sometimes he does. But I I'm, I'm guarantee you this. More times than the devil gets into your life and messes things up, you messed it up yourself. You messed it up yourself. Because you made a wrong choice. Somewhere along the way, you made a, a wrong choice. We have to take responsibility for where we're at and where we're headed. That doesn't mean that we take the, the power 
God gives us the power, but we take the responsibility to step out and to use it. Does that make sense? And when you start to apply these principles to your life that we're going to learn about over these two weeks, when you start to apply this to your life, when you start to look at every decision you make and say, I can choose life or I can choose death. I can choose God's way or I can choose my way. I can choose blessing or I can choose cursing. I can choose what God wants and the path that he wants for me to take or I can choose my path. I can choose obedience or I can choose disobedience. At every step of the way, we have a choice to make and every choice matters. Every choice matters. Now, thank God that he sent Jesus. And we live in a different dispensation than the Israelites did. We live in a time where there's grace. And grace, I feel, has been sometimes misused in the church. And it has become a tool that people use to choose their own way. Well, you know, there's grace. God will forgive me. So I'm going to choose this path. He'll understand. He, he'll get it. He'll, he'll forgive me. There's grace. But every time we do that, we undermine his lordship in our lives. Every time we think that we can scoop by because of grace, we undermine the power of grace. You see, I think that the church has done a real disservice to us in the area of holiness and grace. And I don't have time to get into all the history of these teachings in the church, but but there was a holiness movement that actually had some really good teaching in it. But we got really judgmental about people. And we started to inflict our own holiness on people. And so it got distorted. And we ended up with a holiness that didn't have any passion. And then the grace teaching came in because we kind of needed to balance that out. And we leaned into grace and said, no, it's okay. We have grace. God can cover us. But that became a license to sin. And so this beautiful balance between grace and holiness, holiness that has passion and compassion, and grace that has power to change a life. These are the two things that we need. These are the two things that we bounce up against. And the church has done a really poor job of teaching us how to walk that line. But I want, I want to, I, I feel like this is, this is kind of my mission in life right now. It's, it's what God has put on my heart to help people to understand that holiness has a compassion to it. It's because I love you that I'll tell you you need to obey God. It's not a rule that you need to follow. It's because it's the best thing that you can do with your life. It's the best choice that you can make. And because I love you, I'll tell you that. And I'll tell you, it's, oh, it, you know what? Don't cover up your sin with this, this grace covers everything kind of thing. Because the reason grace is there is to actually change your life. To give you a second chance to get it right. To make the right choice. To walk in obedience to what God has for you. There's always a choice. There's always a choice. Every day. There's a choice. And today, as we're winding down to the end here, I want to 
I want to just put this out in front of you. You know that everything you need in life, every situation you come against, every circumstance you find yourself in, everything you come against, there is an answer. And we say, you know, we have these cliche sayings like, the answer is always Jesus. It is. But we don't know how to apply that to our life. And that's what I'm trying to, to show you today. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. The answer is Jesus, but you have to apply his principles to your life in order to live in the privileges and the blessing and the benefits that he offers us. If you want, if you need your finances to thrive, start living the biblical principles of finances. Start tithing. Start giving. Start having a generous heart and doing all of the things that God has said to do, and you will see a turnaround in your finances. If you have trouble with your relationships, start making peace in your relationships. Start being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker, and God is going to flip your relationships around. If you have a problem in your family, start putting God first in your family and you will never have to worry about your kids. Everything that you find yourself in, if you run a business, if you base your business on the principles of God, if you treat your employees right and you pay your taxes properly and you run your business with integrity and you give to God, he will never let you fall. It's just how it goes. And every day we have a choice to live in his blessing. Every day. Every day. And today, I want to ask you if you've made this most important choice. Maybe you've been listening to me speak today and you're like, yeah, I want that life. I need that life in my life. But if you're honest, you'd say, I didn't even know. Or I wasn't even aware that I needed Jesus to step into that life. That I needed a personal relationship with him where he becomes Lord. And maybe today your heart's like burning a little bit inside of you and you're just like, wow, I really need to make that choice today. I need to make the choice to put God first because things aren't as they should be in my life. I'm going to ask you just in reverence of this moment, if everyone would just close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. No one's going to be looking around. No one's going to see you in this moment. This is just between you and God. This is a moment between you and God. And this is a moment where you can make a choice. This is a moment where you can choose life. And oh, oh, that you would choose life. So I'm going to ask in this moment if there's anyone here, if you've maybe never made the commitment to give your life to Jesus, to make him Lord of your life, or if you would say, you know what, I've chosen the other way a whole lot lately, and I need to come back, and I need to put him first today. I need to make that choice today. I need the grace. I need the fresh start. If you want to just slip your hand up into the air as a way of saying, God, I surrender to you today. I surrender to you. I need you as Lord of my life once again. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. Today is the day that you can make a choice. A choice for life. A choice for blessing. A choice for Jesus. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And if you, if you raised your hand today, this is specifically for you. This is a prayer for you and God. But we're all going to pray it together. So pray with me, Lord Jesus. I ask that once again, you would take the throne in my life. I give you lordship over everything. I realize that I'm making a mess of it myself. And I need your life. I need your kingdom. I need all the things that you have promised me. So I give you my life today. I will obey you. I will choose life every day. And I will follow you. Jesus name we pray. Amen. I want to say thank you to those who raised your hands. That takes courage. It takes courage. I get that. But thank you. You chose life today. You made the right choice and all that he asks is that you get up every day and say I choose you. I choose your way. I choose to obey. I choose to do it your way. I choose and the church celebrates when people choose life. This is a great thing. As I said, I'm going to be here next week. I'm going to give you three more keys next week to build a life that you will love. I promise you it's going to be great. But before I let you go today, I have to tell you about one more thing that I saw in scripture this week that just got me really, really excited. Do you ever see something in the Bible and you go, wow. That's cool. I do that sometimes. I go, God, thank you for opening my eyes and letting me see that. There's one more set of keys that the Bible talks about. They are the keys of hell and of death. And we don't have those keys. Jesus has those keys. And he has a hold of those keys. And when death takes us in this life and we step into the kingdom of God, he's got the keys. He's got the keys. But do you know what I realized today? We were talking about the fact that keys give us access and authority into a kingdom, right? Stay with me on this. If Jesus has the keys to Satan's home, he can't even lock the front door. He can't even lock the door on what he thinks he has. And I thought, no wonder he's frantic, trying to make it look to us like darkness is winning in our world. But Jesus said, I have given you the keys to my kingdom, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Can I tell you today and encourage you? The kingdom of heaven is plundering the kingdom of hell. The devil can't even lock his front door. What he thinks he has, the kingdom of light is going in and rescuing people one by one every day. He's losing what he thinks he has. It's a losing battle, and he's never going to win. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. And he has never, ever, let me tell you this before I let you go, he is never, ever, ever going to win the battle in your life. If you put Jesus first, Jesus will always bring victory in your life. He will not let the enemy win if you put him first. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have no reason to fear. 
We have no reason to be afraid. We have Jesus, and we win. Amen. Amen. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today, and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.